As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Mike Morford. Some of you may know me as co-host of the podcast Criminology. I'd like to tell you about a solo podcast that I host, which is very close to my heart. It's called The Murder of My Family. We've all heard about horrible murder cases in the news, both solved and unsolved. Most of the time, we listen for a moment and then go about our daily routine. But have you ever wondered who those murder victims were or thought about their backgrounds? They're more than a blurb in the news or a statistic. They were real people living real lives. They were someone's child, parent, sibling, or friend. In The Murder of My Family, I try to get to know those victims with the help of the people that knew them best, their family members. Together, we talk about the lives and tragic deaths of their loved ones, as well as the ripple effect the murderers had on surviving friends and family. Some of the episodes feature high-profile cases you're probably familiar with, like the Colonial Parkway murders, the Delphi murders, or the Golden State Killer murders. But many other cases are ones from small towns all over America that barely made the news. There are dozens of episodes of The Murder of My Family available right now to binge on. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If this might disturb you or those around you, please reconsider. It really is okay. Privacy and confidentiality have been protected, like with a soft, cosy blanket, and with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis centre. Your emergency services or national hotlines are available. In the US, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is... 800-273-8255. Please remember, you matter. Hey, this is Kate. When you think about growing up and watching the news or hearing about major world events, what comes to mind? I can remember being in third grade, for instance, when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded. And that was really the first big event that I remember on the day of. But another event that more closely aligns with my life 
happened just before I turned three, and that is the explosion of Mount St. Helens. I don't know if everybody goes through a fascination with the whole experience with watching the photographs of it and hearing stories about those lost in the explosion as well as survivors or if it's just my generation. But man, everybody I knew growing up would talk about it in the same intensity level that we would talk about Egypt and really cool rocks. You know what I'm saying? So while I cannot recall it happening in the moment, I don't remember ever not knowing about it, if that makes sense. So yesterday, May 18th, 2021, marked 41 years since the explosion happened. And that seems kind of arbitrary, the 41 years part, but it's also, you know, history and stuff. And so what better way to cover a historical event than to throw myself on the mercy of my favorite history podcast. And I'm doing a crossover with Joe and Jess from Cutting Class. We've worked together before and I just love them. I really do because they have a really smart show and you know, American history is one of those that on the one hand, yeah, yeah, we forget that the rest of the world exists. But on the other hand, we don't even really know American history very well. So listening to their show helps me feel smarter, which is really important some days, I got to tell you, because I have a lot of days where I don't feel smart. So they join me this time and we talk about the explosion of Mount St. Helens and some of the key figures. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss. Welcome to Cutting Class Podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Jess. I'm Kate. And today's episode includes a pyroclastic stream of searing hot ash. That's in one take, everybody. It also includes Harry Truman, but not the one you're thinking, and our second crossover with Ignorance Was Bliss. It does. Thank you for letting me come play. I'm super excited about this, and I shouldn't be because people died, but that's okay. I'm... <laughs> Still happy to be here. Well, if that's what you're excited about, well, then maybe I did the wrong research. I, well, I mean, 57 people died. Like, I've I've probably covered more here and there, but yeah. This is uh, this episode is, I guess, going to be all your fault because you reached out to us, I think, and Jess had texted me about one of two things that we could do and we ended up picking this and partially it's because I misread what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Right? What did you think we were doing? Uh, well, I did, I did probably the thing that most people would do is I saw something about Harry Truman and I was like, Oh yeah, let's do a thing on Harry Truman. 
And then when I looked back at it like a couple weeks ago to start researching, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. This dude's name is Harry R. Truman? <laughs> With a period, even. With a, I was, I was, right. And so that, to me, I mean, that's the most mind-blowing thing out of all. It's like, yeah, Mount St. Helens is amazing and whatnot, and, and, and pyroclastic street, steam and ash and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, wait a second. There is a dude named Harry R. Truman. Is a dude named Harry R. Truman, and he's not was not a president, and the president... Harry S. Truman didn't have a period after his middle initial, and I love that so much. But I think it's also to great. Me, what is, I think it was a made-up name. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think S didn't stand for anything. He just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> Which I love. I'm renaming all of my children just random letters and characters. Yeah, reading a little article about Harry R. Truman, he sounds like just as stubborn of an ass as Harry S. Truman. Absolutely, they're both cantankerous, and the buck will stop with both of them. <laughs> the buck stops here. <laughs> well, you know, the buck stopped in one place and burst into flame in the other. Yeah, so yeah, the buck that. stopped, and so did his life. <laughs> Spoiler for the story here, Joe. Come on Fantastic. now. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I, just you asked before we hit record why i chose mount st helens and the answer is i don't know i don't remember it was at least two months ago and i went about four months without recording because we redid our basement and in that time i had nowhere to record and so when i started again i was like writing all these notes and i have these sticky notes all over the place about like get in touch with this person or that person and record this and do that and so i have a note that says cutting class satanic panic or mount st helens (laughs) (laughs) and if i could have combined the two i absolutely would have but um as far as i can tell there was not much in the way of saint hat satanic panic there's there is bound to have been like a a black metal band that that has something about like you know an incantation to the vulcan gods or something that actually kicked it off i'll find it and it's got to be there somewhere i I I was gonna do a little psychoanalyzation on you after you kind of tell us about your your year of 2020 uh i think blowing your top and stories about blowing one's top is kind of right up your alley right now (laughs) Mount St. Helens was like 1979, am I right? <laughs> How are you each doing with the with the whole pandemic teaching medical stuff? I'm fine. <laughs> it was always fine. Yeah, I would say nothing really bothers me. I, actually, I've, I've worked more in the past year, so like I, it, it doesn't affect. I just get more irritated with uh, yeah. things and people. And we know that I've been been really delved into my PA studies as a potter's assistant. And so uh, I'm really learning how to throw those discs and, and, and mold that clay in, in such a way that really inspires the, uh, the, the, the people around me. So it's been a, it's been a fantastic year. I'll be honest that I'm, I'm thrilled that 2021 is here. Uh, I've been, been a C-Lab fan since I was a kid. So this has been kind of a moment like waiting. C-Lab kind of 2021. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to be in this moment and this time. And I'm excited to talk about Mount St. Helens. Cool. I mean, not much changed for me because I've been on disability for quite a while, except now all of my children are home. And it turns out, like, I thought I had four kids, but it turns out I actually have like 50 or 60 oh, man. As, as far as I'm able to tell. And so I'm super excited about getting them back to school. Well, I've heard that if you like feed them or if they get wet after midnight, they do multiply. And that might be your problem. <laughs> 
they are. I'm pretty gremlins. sure that was. I'm pretty sure that movie was called Children. I they no, they're all gremlins. It's absolutely accurate. <laughs> And That's... there was a Star Trek episode about it called, I believe, The Trouble with Children. And it was, they just kept multiplying. That was a sitcom, Joe. <laughs> the Trouble with Children. <laughs> I think there's an ex- another episode called, like, uh, Klingons Hate Children that I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that may be a Next I, Generation you know, one, though. You know, I, my, my, my rule with kids has always been that the ones that I have, like, I don't like most children. I think that needs to be my baseline is I don't like <laughs> kids. Um, but for the ones that I have myself created and or adopted that I have to love them. That's a rule. I have to love them, but I don't have to like them. And I've yeah. leaned heavy into that over the past year. You know what I'm I saying? feel like that is actually my wife's attitude toward me at this point is like, <laughs> I don't have to like you, but I do kind of love you. And it's too much of a pain in the ass to get divorced. <laughs> I think that's where we're at. I, I, it's a beautiful relationship between those two. It is. It, it's 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 almost as lovely as uh, Harry R. Truman and Eddie that lived up on the mountain. Look at that. Immediately brought it back. See, there's my... Look wow. what you did. That was a yeah. seamless connection. Jeff. Absolutely. So that's what I got to do when the kids are in school and like one kid's got his finger up his nose and the other's talking about like, you know, who knows what sort of like anime porn he's watching. I can just immediately bring it right back to the topic. No, see, the, my kids are always talking about like the methamphetamine soldiers of Hitler and they're always asking <laughs> about that. It's like, come on, man. We're not talking about that today. Not now. Tomorrow. Like, oh, check out check out this cool episode of uh, Tentacle Assassination Classroom we're watching. I was like, oh, you guys want to talk about Japan? That brings me to Harry S. Truman, which brings me to Harry R. Truman, which brings us right back to Mount St. Helens. <laughs> it's the uh, 50 degrees of Harry R. Truman. I was Harry say. R. Truman. He is the he is the center of the of the uh, spoke in the wheel thing. That's <laughs> terrifying, but probably accurate. Probably accurate. So it, did was it this was it this particular character and his uh, his absolute dedication to Mount St. Helens that inspired you, Kate, to want to talk about this? Or was it the explosion itself and then you found this character? A little of both. I, so in 2019, my now 16-year-old and I took a couple of week vacation, just us, out to the Pacific Northwest. And among other things, we went to Mount St. Helens and could see absolutely nothing because right. it was a, just a terrible weather that day. But still, like, we were there. And it, they have a really neat visitor center up there. So it didn't really matter that you couldn't actually see the mountain because the visitor center is pretty cool. And there's a lot of buttons to push and that kind of thing. Um, so that sort of reminded me, like, this is one of those, it's, it, it did happen. I I was born before 1980, so I don't. But it, but it's early enough in my life that I don't remember it happening. Okay. I just remember it being a thing. I remember it being one of those things that, like, my parents would talk about is like this is a an event that happened, and I would be like, yeah. It, as far as I'm concerned, was my whole life ago. And um, learning more about it, and learning about this guy, Harry R. Um, which boy, that doesn't. <laughs> Sound good at all? He could he could <laughs> shave that and be less hairy, but whatever. Shaved yeah. Arch Truman, <laughs> you know. And um, and I just thought this is a, this is an interesting like people know about this is a volcano and that's all they know about. But I feel like there's a lot more to the the experience and to the process. And so let's act like we know what we're talking about. Sure. Do we want to talk a little bit about the the eruption itself or the kind of the build up to that, and then we yes. can get to the story of Harry. Yes, both, I think. So 
Uh, just to set kind of a, a time setting, this whole thing. This has taken place in 1980. So if you go back and watch some of the documentaries like I did, everybody's dressed fantastically yeah. in their like 70s to 80s like crossover attire. Massive lapels. Massive lapels, big bell bottoms. You've got hair everywhere. <laughs> Everyone is hairy at this point. Uh, Harry Truman. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the true men are hairy in the in the 1980s, um, and uh, it, it's it's basically you know this massive mountain. And fun enough, Gifford Pinchot Park. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah, named after uh, TR's buddy Gifford Pinchot, which is cool. And it had been threatening, you know, for a while now. To I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and everyone's like, "No, you won't. You're not gonna do it." <laughs> One uh, more bell bottom reporter on my slopes, and I'm gonna do it. Damn it. <laughs> and so you've got all these volcanologists, you've got all these seismologists, all these uh, very ologist type people coming out. They're looking at the thing and uh, they are, you know, they're, they're warning people, right? They're warning people like, oh, this looks pretty bad. This is not, not looking good. And of course, um, <laughs> as if last year taught us anything, you know, when people are like, hey, something really dangerous is coming, the average reaction of the public is, nah, it'll be fine. That's <laughs> no big deal. I'm not worried about it. And that's kind of what's going to work. I think we're going to be getting into this story with, with Harry Truman. He's one of these people who he's not going to really be too concerned about the, the dire warnings. Right. Well, he, he's not concerned, but same with, so Dixie Lee Ray is the name of the governor of Washington state at the time. How did Washington state get a governor named Dixie Lee Ray? <laughs> it's a different time, too. I mean, if that's not straight out of Memphis, Tennessee, I don't know what the hell is. Dixie <laughs> Lee Ray. She sounds like she runs a wrestling promotion on the weekends. She probably did. I mean, it's it's if I don't if you okay if you've ever seen a photo of her, she bears an uncanny resemblance to Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> Looking at a picture right now. All right, let's take a look. If this hair isn't massive like Dolly, oh Parker, man, I'm throwing this computer in rage. She spells Dixie wrong. What the hell is this? Oh, I, right. That's this I is think, what I'm saying. Is that this is I how think she that was ended my up. seventh grade science teacher actually? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy the like Greek was your seventh grade science teacher. That's <laughs> amazing. I, hey, I'm calling it. Look at those lapels. Holy crap! Look at these things. I uh, mean, yeah. She she could she could absolutely skydive with those things. Like. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. But so she, her reaction to the the build up to the explosion was extremely similar in terms of press and in terms of reality. Um, not in terms of number of people dead because okay. she only killed, you know, fifty seven instead of five hundred thousand. You know, similar, not quite the same um, as Trump's reaction to the pandemic that she downplayed it and told everybody it's not going to be that bad. We've had this happen before. And, you know, Trump had a bunch of quotes about like, you know, there are more deaths due to car accidents every year and we don't tell car manufacturers to stop making cars. She oh, had yeah. similar statements about like, there are, you know, more people die every year in skiing accidents and we don't close down the, skiing places whatever it's right. the slopes <laughs> there you uh, go the those slopes, yeah which I, I i guess it would make sense if your ski slope was on st helens well it's not anymore i'll tell you that yeah true, and, uh, um, Truman sure as hell wasn't having it <laughs> so so dixie lee um earned her bad press she she absolutely earned it and um 
I'll allow people to draw their own conclusions about whether Trump earned his. But so the fact that they happen to be like exactly 40 years apart from when this, you know, this started, like the earliest signs of activity on Mount St. Helens was March 16th. 1980. And so that's almost exactly 40 years later that we decided to start having a pandemic. When I was looking, it looks like from uh, an article from the San Juan Islander, which uh, there's a little throwback to our episode on the pig war. Yeah. Because uh, that took place on San Juan Island. That uh, they were, this article says uh, they hadn't actually installed, I'm going to say this wrong, seismometers uh, on St. Helens until 1972 which I guess is uh, just in time. And they said from 1975 to 1980, they had recorded earthquakes, 44 of them. But then I guess they started to notice all these uh, tremors and stuff like that, like building up to what they thought was going to be the big end. Well, yeah, I feel like the the week starting March 16th, they had something like 100 in a week. That's what, mm-hmm. yeah, that says, it says from March 15th through the 21st, more than, this says Timblors, but I don't know what a Timblor is. Uh, I'm sure somewhere some geology nerd is like pulling their their last surviving hair out of their head and uh, this says that occurs within 22 miles of St. Helens and then there's going to be an earthquake on the 20th that I guess is the thing that really uh, gets everybody's attention and they hadn't had an eruption since 1850 something seven I think Mm -hmm. so it was well behaved for a really long time and then it was like hey uh, let's not behave anymore so actually 1857 is literally like two years before the pig war happens the connection's not there the connection is definitely there bro because on san juan island they would have seen this stuff like they would have seen the plumes and all the stuff in the sky i think that this was actually foretold by the killing of the pig like in the simpsons movie remember in the simpsons movie it's the pig that like foretells what's going to happen and (laughs) Grandpa Simpson has the the has the, uh, the the vision. Like I think that's what's going on here. You mix this with the hillbilly prophet that we did a couple of years ago, and we finally linked all the parts of history. I think together, <laughs> it's all coming together. I, I think when when I look at this story and I look at some of the footage, and the thing to me that that for the for the average person is it's it's just it's unbelievable. You know, it's one of these things that the scale of this mountain. This is a gigantic mountain, and I could throw up heights and things like that to you. But to me, those are just meaningless, especially over the medium of a podcast where you're just hearing set like words. It's a massive mountain. And it's a mountain that people are used to going and hiking. It's in, it's one of those mountains that you look out your window. If you live in this area, you look out your window and you see it every single day. It's just part of the skyline. Uh, people's summer camps are up there. There's lakes, there's parks, you know, people have been there all the time. And it's, it's such an immense scale. It's not something that you could look at and say, oh, that's dangerous. You know, it'd be like someone telling you, oh, if you look out tonight at the moon, the moon, like that's, that's posing a threat to you. You know, it's this big, massive thing. And you don't, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that this massive thing that's in your atmosphere of existence is a danger to you. You know, (laughs) especially if the last big one was in 1857. I mean, it's not like anybody in 1979 remembers that. Right. Except um, perhaps Harry R. Truman, because he was approximately a thousand years old, I think. He was a This old codger <laughs> is just an absolute badass. Uh, Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so I was looking up a, a little bit about this guy, Harry R. Truman. So it says, uh, actually, this article I've got here from Oregon Live, it talks a little bit. This was posted May 11th of 2020. And it, 
it starts off, I don't know if these are direct quotes or if this is like a, a, a reimagining of Harry R. Truman sitting around while the tremors are shaking, but it talks about how he's like sitting in a chair and he's drinking uh, probably Jack and Coke or something spiked. And he, as, as the ground shakes, he's like, oh, that's a five. That's a four. As if he's like measuring uh, based upon how they, how they feel. But they were talking about this guy. He was 83 years old in April of 1980. And I believe they said he was at the time running a, a quote, disheveled recreation and fishing lodge. Uh, except at the time, I guess he really wasn't running it. There was nobody there except for him and a bunch of his cats. And <laughs> it says... Uh, it gets, it gets kind of sad really quick, too, because he says, quote, I've kind of retired since that Labor Day. Uh, I just rent enough boats and cabins to keep the booze supply full. And apparently in reference to that Labor Day is when three years earlier, his wife Edna had died, which is really mm-hmm. sad. And it kind of goes they on to talk about They had lived there for this. what, like 40 years or something? Yeah. So like, yeah. this article goes on and talks about, he says, uh, quote, I've kind of let the place go to hell since then. Eddie and I had spent 37 years loving, working, fighting, laughing, dancing, and living on our mountain and lake. Uh, Go look at the old pictures I have on the wall over there. She was some woman. And I guess she died of a heart attack fairly suddenly. And I don't know if it puts um, how old she was. I think she was a little bit younger than than he was. But it talks about, like, um, they'd been together for, for, you know, decades. And he was, let's see, he was a World War I vet. He'd worked as a mechanic. Uh, he built the lodge on the mountainside more or less himself and then started renting out like boats and horses and stuff to fishermen and backpackers and whatnot. And then uh, he kind of, it almost sounds like this um, romance novel, like a, like a bodice ripper almost. That was <laughs> how they met. Cause it says at the time when, when Edna comes into the lodge, she was in a bad marriage and she kind of goes up to, uh, it was called the Mount St. Helens Lodge on Spirit Lake to clear her head and I guess, you know, get some space. And this is where she meets Harry Truman. (laughs) (laughs) And and Edna and Harry Truman have this love affair while they're up there on the mountaintop. And then I guess she divorces her husband and marries (laughs) Harry Truman. (laughs) You're not going to get over that. (laughs) Nope. And they, and they stay on this mountain and like a, Truman says in April of 1980, he's talking to the press and he says, quote, they'll never get me off this mountain. Spirit Lake and Mount St. Helens are a part of me. They're mine. They're as much a part of me as my arms and legs. And then as the mountain is like burping up smoke and uh, they always talk about burping and belching when it comes to volcanoes, which I like. They uh, they also talk says, about a bulge in this one. So oh, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of bulges, it's, but nobody ever makes any like fart or diarrhea jokes. <laughs> Well, that would have to be on the, the southern hemisphere, I think. I get, yeah, maybe that's what, they, <laughs> that's what they call it when it's like Tierra del Fuego is going on. Like up here, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's burping and belching. But in Tierra del Fuego, it's like massive uh, pyroclastic diarrhea stream all over. Oh, my God. I think that might get people off the mountain faster, honestly. I think absolutely. See, when you're just talking about burping and belching, you got people like Harry Truman who's just going to say, quote, I think it shot its wad. <laughs> I mean, which is actually pretty on brand with this guy. I think his, I want to say his alcohol of choice is rum. I don't know why I think that now. Yeah, that's, that seems, I don't have that it written fine. in front of me, but so I'm going to say rum because I just did. Um, but yeah, he was, he, he, he had a lot of alcohol and a lot of cats. And that's, yeah. that's, that's he had like 16 cats. Yeah, that's pretty much it. 
and and you know he he would he would measure the strength of one of the earthquakes by how many things fell off the walls. God, that's kind of boss. I mean, like it's this, definitely insane, but I like it. It's a little of both. You know, I I can accept his multitasking here that he is both kind of batshit crazy but also badass at the same time like i appreciate that let's see he says uh there's a quote here from san juan islander again where he it says uh truman told the longview daily news at the time quote i think the whole damn thing is over exaggerated spirit lake and mount st helens are my life you couldn't pull me out with a mule team which i think also really shows his age that he was referring to a mule team being used (laughs) to get him off of the mountain this is 1980 of course and he's 83 yeah so yeah, to yeah. kind of connect the two ideas, so it sounds like there had been some rumblings, some 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 burblings within the mountain, some bulging, if you will. Uh, which the bulging is actually really pretty cool, and they they, they talk about how like it really as we're watching the mountain, all of a sudden there's this this bulge that emerged in the ground, which That's sounds terrifying. terrifying. And so the all the theologists, shall we call them, as a group, they they're sending warnings and they're, they're going to people like Dixie. They're going to people on the mountain. They're like, look, you guys got to get out of here. Right. This is, this is going to go bad. It's going to go bad real fast. It's going to be even worse than that. What is it? A Pierce Brosnan movie with a volcano. Uh, um, Dante's peak. Uh, Dante's peak. Ooh, that's going to be worse than Dante's right peak. There. Man. Yeah. That old Mima gets into the, volcano <laughs> that's the only part anybody remembers. <laughs> she like pushes the over the top. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's a fantastic film. <laughs> uh, so it's it's going to be as bad as Dante's Peak. You know, we got to get out of here. We got to get you guys off the mountain. And they're going to, of course, just cantankerously say, no, we're not going to do it. Some people do take the warnings, but a lot of people are going to just kind of brush it off and, and say it's not a big deal. And it doesn't help that Dixie is kind of saying things like, ah, that's not going to be a big deal. No, but nothing to really worry about. Like, it's just it's just burbles. Well, the best part is that it says even after the governor declared a state of emergency, one tourists then went to go watch it blow up of course they did which i love but it said even after that there was only one resident of spirit lake who refused to leave <laughs> and it was oh our God. boy <laughs> it was <laughs> apparently uh harry truman became i guess just this like folk hero uh, of hard-headedness and people wrote songs about him apparently did they really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently there's these folk songs called uh, The Ode to Harry Truman, and then, of course, one's called Give Him Hell, Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're yeah. And, and it I says mean, there's, like, uh, there's, like, little medallions and stuff that people made of his image, and it's, like, just him with, like, his little baseball cap on, and then on the flip side of the medallion is a picture of Mount St. Heaven exploding. <laughs> it, well, it, it, it and, I mean, Dixie Lee talks about how there's no possible way she could have gotten everybody off the mountain because it would have taken sending an army. And I'm like, yeah, that's, um, that's what a state of emergency is. Send a mule team. That's what we did. Truman on. <laughs> that worked. Well, it wouldn't send be enough. Team. You'd have to send a mule know. team plus one. Cause he said it wouldn't be enough. Yeah. See, I actually, uh, and I, I'm, I'm always the bad guy. I don't need a governor to tell me to get out of the way. Like, I feel like that's kind of incumbent upon all of these people. If you, if you, like Harry Truman, if you don't want to leave, don't leave. But, I mean, you're, you're kind of going to get what's happening. It's You kind of have to use your own judgment here, I feel like. Right. Uh, well, and, and they, seems- he became a not just a folk legend, but but big in the press. 
because yeah. there was nobody else to go up and interview. And so the press were taking helicopters and I don't know, mules, whatever, <laughs> and were going up to interview him. And, and it kept being the same interview over and over again of them <laughs> saying, aren't you afraid you're going to die? And him saying, N- no, I'm not actually afraid of that. Also, I'm 83. And, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> you he know, and I kind of wonder, too, if some of this is in reading the story uh, of Harry Truman from the Oregon uh, from the Oregon Live article. They really talk about and there's a couple of those quotes about like when his wife dies, too, that like at this point in his life, if he were to leave the mountain, I feel like that's sort of the only source of stability in his life, especially after his wife of three, four decades is gone. Um, if it, it's really just kind of a manifestation of his loneliness and depression, like if all you're threatening me with is death, ooh. I won't live to be 84. Uh, you know, how sad. Yeah. Now, granted, he probably died in a horrendously painful and terrifying way of being drowned in searing hot ash. <laughs> well, it's right. hard. It's hard to know. Um, yeah. You know, because there were there was this. I guess we can back up and get there, but there was this. There were months of lead up. Right. And he'd kind of gone numb to it, but when it actually did the thing, when it, there, the eruption actually happened. It was a matter of seconds from yeah. eruption to miles and miles away. I think that's the thing that makes this story from from the devastation and the, the, the danger side of it so interesting is because um, it, it, it is one of those things that they had been warning for weeks and weeks and months now. You know, it starts days turn to weeks, turn to months kind of thing. And they're saying, oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And it happens in the matter of minutes out of the blue, it was this unpredictable, not, I don't like to use the word unpredictable, but the moment of it happening was at the time unpredictable. Yeah. Right. Where, you know, one day there's a mountain and then the next day it's exploding. <laughs> not even the next day, the next minute it's, it's gone. You can look on YouTube and you can find, you know, the kind of grainy choppy footage that does exist of the mountainside just sliding down. Yeah. There's an entire half that collapses just followed by this eruption and it's, it happened happens in seconds. Um, and for anyone, you know, the stories, there's so many great stories that come off of this of people who are literally hundred or more miles away, starting to feel the effects immediately, let alone the people like Harry Truman who are living on the mountain itself. Yep. As you know, imagine the mountain below you starting to move, not just, not just like a little bit, like the whole mountain, hundreds of thousands of tons of material sliding and then exploding. I mean, just the temperature alone would be overwhelming. And I, I mean, there were, the- there, were, there, were, there were airplanes that were like small private planes as well as, you know, commercial jets who had to reroute around it uh Mm -hmm. others that were directly deliberately flying over it to try to get better photos and stuff and like my knowledge none of them got knocked out of the sky but it was still it was a pretty big i mean part of part of you know fundamentally volcanoes don't tend to communicate their plans to humans the bulge was a pretty good communication it It was sending a signal it often is uh (laughs) yeah but um it's a signal, but nobody knew what it meant because it was on the right. side of the mountain instead of the top. Right. 
And so everybody was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, so therefore let's get closer. See, that is insane to me that that would be the conclusion that somebody would come to is to get closer to it. I mean, I don't need Dixie Lee. I don't need Trump. I don't need anybody to be like, no, no, no. Turn around and go the other way. (laughs) And I mean, what what are your choices? You go the other way and it doesn't explode and you live. Okay. Or you do go the other way. It explodes and you live. Either way, I beat the mountain. Like, that is absurd that people, like, let's fly over this and get a picture. Mm-mm, no way, man. You fly over it. <laughs> I, th- I think what a lot of people, too, maybe didn't anticipate is how much distance you really had to put yourself from the moment to be safe. You know, like I said, the people are hundreds uh, of miles away feeling the impact. Yeah. I mean, before long, you know, within a week or so of this eruption, the ash itself is going to spread globally. I mean, that, that alone should tell you, like, you could be you know, a two hours drive, you know, you say you pack up the kids and you go to your little, you know, your, your cousin's house down in the next town over and you still might feel effects of this thing. Um, and, and that's one of the, the, the aspects of this that I think is so kind of shocking. Um, there are a lot of the, the geologists, the people who are there knowing this is about to explode, knowing that that's why they're there, yeah. who, you know, they, they've, they, they, I mean, even one of them, of course, gets caught up in the explosion, not being able to fully predict where it was going to be. And even the ones that, that got away, it was a tight call for a lot of them. Well, I remember um, when Jess, you and I would have been in high school, I, I think when it was maybe some volcanoes in Iceland mm-hmm. uh, went off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, you know, hearing all about all these flights from Europe had to be grounded and rerouted because of the ash that had you know, when it goes up into, into the air currents and stuff, you know, it's not like it blew up in Iceland and it just, uh, line drive shot of lava and stuff into Europe. But once it gets up there in the air and it starts spreading around, so you can imagine, I don't think it, I can't remember a size comparison, how those explosions were to the St. Helens one, but it's, a, uh, it's, yeah, I kind of understand that because I remember when that was being reported on about the Icelandic ones. Yes, please don't there. ask me to say the name of the one in Iceland because I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but, just say Reykjavik and go with it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah. Can I throw out some uh, some of the devastation facts because they're fun? Yes. All right. So the whole thing comes down on May May eighteenth, nineteen eighty. This is when the the explosion will officially take place um, after all this warning and concern. And um, you know, I, getting into the weeds, there's a lot of them here because. It's actually funny. My, my daughter asked me yesterday, what's the strongest thing in the world? <laughs> you know, it's like the kind of question a kid will ask you. And I was, I was kind of actually thinking about this episode at the time. I was like, you know, it actually might be a volcano. I was going to say if love. If we're talking about things like in the earth, because the numbers, when you look at the numbers, it's not love, I don't want to hear sure. you. Love. When you look at the <laughs> numbers and, and like the mega trillions and stuff like this, they're, they're, they're just astronomical. Literally, you know, the same kind of things that you use almost for like planets. I mean, it's a huge amount of energy that's about to, to be released here. And I, I don't want to like bore you with all the details, but essentially what happens is, you know, it's a volcano. So there's this basically a crack in the tectonic plates where magma comes up. And on this particular mountain, there had been this kind of release of magma that had been coming up and had been causing these kind of rumblings and stirrings. And from what I could tell, like the simple version of this is that there was a lot of ice. This this mountain um, was high enough, Mount St. Helens, that it had you know constant ice on top of it, and there was frozen glaciers kind of in the area of it. And so this magma 
is going to hit this kind of ice pocket. And this ice pocket hitting, you know, water hitting uh, lava creates a release of gas because it immediately boils and it helps create this kind of bulge. And then there's this earthquake that happens, you know, along the same time <laughs> that allows the, the side of the mountain to essentially slip. And because a lot of the volcanoes, you know, your typical volcano you drew as a kid, you know, it's just like a cone that points up, right? But in this situation, because of the volcano and this ice pocket, it basically half the mountain off, making this a weak point so that it exploded sideways, which is going to create this iconic kind of horseshoe-shaped crater that's going to be left behind after this. And um, it does some, some amazing damage. You know, I, I think it's something like 12 to 15 equivalents of the Hiroshima atomic bomb, something like that. That's wild. Uh, in terms of like explosive power that's going to be coming out. Um, I think to me, the, the, the coolest thing is the Lahar. Do you guys hear about this stuff looking at this story? I don't think so I can. The Lahar, it. That's, a, that's a term I'm not familiar with, but there was something estimated to the amount of like 46 billion gallons. Gallons, <laughs> gallons <Ships>. of ice, <laughs> ice water, right? Oh. That had been on top of this mountain. And when this lava and this, this eruption takes place, it melts all this snow and ice that's been sitting on the mountain for, you know, decades. And it creates this huge flood. And so not only do you have the explosion to deal with and the ash and the plume and all this stuff, but then you have this essentially flood of liquid, which turns into this mixture of ash mud rock and then subsequently plummeting trees because the what they call the lahar is this essentially flood of just solid material debris that comes off the mountain and the footage is astounding you guys see the footage yeah of the essentially it goes through these like pine uh this it's a it's a heavily mount of like um log mountain and so all these trees not only did they get knocked over but the rivers essentially turn into just this sludge of tree, like moving trees, thousands and thousands of trees. And it's, it's astounding watching these stories and, and hearing about the people on the, on the ground who see this stuff. I read this one account of these two hikers that were like camping out there. And it was horrifying as they, they recall essentially like, you know, basically looking up the mountainside and seeing this, I guess, an avalanche of, hot steaming mud flow as it's pushing down trees and everything in its wake and they turn and they just try to run yeah there's nothing you can um, do it's it's pretty astounding the stories that, that come out of it but um with all this of course there's a lot of people who are caught in the in the way and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to get out of the way and unfortunately some people aren't gonna make it yeah it sounds but, like there's a total of 57 that at least like confirmed uh, i'm sure there's more um, and actually the san juan islander says that all the big critters like the bear, the deer, and the elk, of course, they're not going to survive. And they also say that the U.S. Department of Agriculture declared that all of the fish in Spirit Lake died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's super acidic still now. Right. You know, 40 years later. Um, from what I recall, the, you know, so early in the day of the 18th, May 18th, 1980, there was a... Uh, five five point one something very big earthquake bigger than usual that happened and that's when the the bulge slid away like the top of the mountain was just see ya done and that that qualifies still now as the largest avalanche that ever recorded yeah 
like worldwide ever recorded. So kind of a big deal. And I mean, 300 miles an hour is what they're saying. It's just crazy. So there's no outrunning this. There's no, you know, and so I believe that, that roughly the, the statistics are roughly like something like 35 to 37 of the people that died were residents who either didn't leave because they refused to or lived far enough away that they weren't encouraged slash forced to leave. Sure. And then 20 of them were tourists who hopped over the barricades and scurried up. Yeah, because they were like, oh, cool, this is neat. It'll blow up and stuff. And they kind of forgot the whole blowing up and stuff involves death, destruction, and, you know, a volcano. Well, a lot of these uh, articles and these old like press clippings describe it like um, they they call it carnival like atmosphere. They make it sound like the Scopes Monkey Trial, where it was this just became like the cool thing to do is like I went to Mount St Helens and all I got was a stupid T shirt kind of stuff. And uh, again, like uh, you know, not not to victim blame, but man, there was an easy way to not get caught into Lahar, and that's to not jump the barricade and go towards the bulging. Uh, you know, earthquake thing that also for fans of Dr. Pimple Popper, watching that thing slide off is very satisfying. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think it reminds me, you know, how many times have you been on the interstate or somewhere and you're in this awful traffic jam and you're backed up 20, 30 minutes long and you finally get to the reason for it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with your lane of traffic. It's because there was a wreck on the other lane of traffic. And everybody wants to stop and kind of look at it. They want to. They want to have this like this you know, rubberneck moment where they're looking at it, even though there's there's literally no reason for your traffic to be slower. But it is because everybody's looking. Yeah, yeah. get out of the way. One car wreck. Imagine this on the scale of a mountain, and it's not surprising that you're going to get some some people who want to have a little looky loo, and maybe even a little like let's go on a hike kind of moment. Insane. Um, that they don't really take the warnings very seriously. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that goes into that sort of, um, it's not not confirmation bias, but, you know, that uh, it won't happen to me type thing or, you know, whatever. You're not sitting on it thinking uh, this thing's about to actually lose 1,300 feet of elevation when that thing sloughs off. Right. Which it does, apparently. I guess it at one point was the fifth tallest peak in the state of Washington. But I guess after this, it got knocked down a few notches because it lost elevation for pieces of the mountain sloughing off. Well, significantly. And that's one of the, the um, uh, souvenirs that you can buy uh, in the visitor center is like uh, this coin where on one side it's got, you know, pre eruption and on the other side it's post eruption and how many feet it lost. And I don't know how many feet it lost because this San Juan article is saying thirteen hundred. Yeah, that's the number that I saw float around the most. It said and it was it was uh, nine thousand six hundred and seventy seven feet tall, but now the highest part of the crater is eight thousand three hundred and sixty five feet tall, and that happened in a matter of seconds. The thing that that really set the scale for me. Is again, you know, like, you know, I'd seen all the pictures of the sloughed off mountainside and things like that and the eruption from the sky and all that stuff's always really impressive, but it's really hard to get a sense of scope and scale. And there was this like cheesy documentary from like the year after the whole thing happened that I sat down and watched. It was really fun. But it showed somebody walking around in that horseshoe crater 
the area that was created from the blast. And it's gigantic. I mean, it, I know I'm, I'm it's kind of stating the obvious here, but it is half of a mountain. Okay. It's, it's not like a little, you know, the size of a football stadium. I mean, it's huge, the amount of space that was displaced from this thing. And it's, again, that's the thing that I think that most people probably miss or underestimated is it's so big. Like you just can't imagine something that big exploding. It's, it's a mountain. It's literally a mountain. And it's not just a little mountain. It's a big mountain. And to think, you know, looking at that thing, like, oh, this, this, this massive thing is, is a potential bomb. You know, it, it's, it's hard for your brain to really wrap around that. Well, and it had taken six weeks. Yeah. More, more than that, more, but about, about six weeks, eight weeks between, you know, the early, like, okay, this isn't just a little bit of rumbling here and there, but this is a hundred earthquakes in a week to it blowing up. And people had kind mm. of reached the point where they were like, it's just never going to happen because it haven't, ha- it hasn't happened yet. And I can't, I can't find the name in front of me right now, but there's a, a one of my favorite photos of, Mount St. Helens is a a couple that got married and they're both wearing gas masks. Yeah. Cool. You know, I mean, you talk about badass, like there's just something to that where it's like, boy, you are, you are absolutely determined that this has to be your venue. And I look back at my, my wedding day and I'm like, you know, if there'd been a volcano, I could have gone anywhere else and gotten married. Like it wouldn't have been that big a deal. And you're never going to get that smell out of the wedding dress. You're just never. It's always going to yeah, smell smoky and gross. Nasty. Right. So, I, you know, that sort of thing. And you, if you look at the, the – still not – so I was there in, 19, uh, in 2019, and there's still these huge swaths of land where all of the trees are knocked down, and they're all knocked down in basically the same direction. And there's yeah. – you know, saplings and there's other, you know, smaller trees that have grown up in the, in the middle. But if you look, you can still see like, that's the direction that the blast happened. You know, you know, um, Oh, what was it called? The, the Tunguska. Tr- no, there is this, there's this no, thing in Russia. Yes. Yes. No, 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 no. I know what you're talking about. And that's considerably more grown up than what I was thinking of. Um, I was thinking of the, the guy Nobody has ever accused me of being more grown up than them. <laughs> that is well, literally the first time that's ever happened in my life. Well, I can't remember what it's called. There's a toy, Willy something, that that, that had the iron filings. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Wooly Willy. Wooly Willy. Um, and Harry R. Truman, I think, is what Yeah, I think also <laughs> that. But where with Wooly Willy, and it's got the, it's got the, I, I, I like that we bring up bulges and Wooly Willy at the same time because I'm 12. But, um, but the, mm, the you bulge. know, you, you, <laughs> but you play around with it and you can get all of the iron filings to, to go in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You play with the magnet, yeah. and you get them all, and and that's what the trees look like. Is they all that that way? And I and I look at people like, if it does that to trees, what's it going to do to you? Oh yeah, just absolutely annihilating. Because that, that Tunguska thing was like they think it was a meteor explosion, and there's spots where you can uh, there's pictures you can still see of the desolation and the way you can tell, I guess, where it exploded and the direction it was traveling because everything got knocked in that one direction, which is. You know, again, it's just one of those things where if you're like Harry R. Truman and you're just like, ah, if it does, it does, you're just going to be annihilated before you even realize what happened, I guess. 
I wish I could remember. There's a guy at the for the Tunguska event where he was just far enough away that he survived, but he talks about in the same sort of way, like he he lived in the middle of Siberia and he didn't really much have any inclination to move yeah. away. And so he was just like, yeah, I heard a really loud noise and uh, I'm still alive. So it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, can you imagine a more sad life of one? I live in Siberia and then <laughs> I live in Siberia and I also almost got hit by a meteor. I mean, <laughs> buy a lottery ticket, bro. <laughs> right. So I was, a. I don't really have a whole lot else, but I figured because I wanted to put in one more thing of my boy, uh, Harry Truman here. And he, it's kind of a cool quote, but it's also kind of sad. Like for as much of a sort of a cantankerous badass that Harry R. Truman sounds like, there is also this sort of sadness of a guy who's kind of just um, one of those people that kind of probably outlived more people in his family than he wanted to and was ready to go. And uh, he says, apparently, now it doesn't say who he was speaking to, but it's quoted in this Oregon Live article. And he says, quote, life comes in three parts. First, you work your ass off and you get a few coupons to clip. I don't really know what the coupon thing means. Uh, Then you hang around the crest for a while. Then it's all downhill and you're clipping coupons if you're lucky, just riding around. And that's where I am now, kind of coming down the hill. Mm. And then the article ends with, he was last seen 6 p.m. on May 17th, uh, quote, riding her out. And that was it. That is the end of uh, Harry R. Truman. And I guess the, the mountain took him. The mountain got him. It, it, I mean, it. So there's a there's an A-frame house that's f- comparatively famous if you're in the area, um, where now when you go there, you can only see. So you, you know, do you do A-frame houses where you are? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Okay, but because I had to look that up. Uh, <laughs> it's not a thing that, like, I, I think I've seen one in my life for real. Yes, Kate, we're not all bumpkins that just live in log cabins, Kate. I <laughs> we have was. shoes. We I, even okay. have running water. Look, okay, I lived in a trailer park for a while, so I don't assume. I'm actually even wearing pants as we're recording this. Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> now, mine are sweatpants, I won't lie. Okay, fair. But um, there's an A-frame house where you can only see, like, the top maybe 10 feet of it now because this this lahar came down and and effectively drowned it and they've dug out around it so now there are there are steps that go down to it and it's no longer inhabited but it's and i mean it's miles and miles away it's it's quite a, a trek from the mountain which is wild and so that was neat. That was cool. I, I don't know why. Just the fact that it's standing, that's, a, that's an ode to some of that construction. That's like, there's some pictures what? of the, uh, I can't remember if it's Hiroshima or Nagasaki, but there's a couple of buildings and structures that were still standing after the, the bomb went off. And I was like, look, this is, yeah, I know the destruction is amazing. Whoever the hell built that needs an award. <laughs> well, you know, assuming they survived. Yes, um, <laughs> there's that. Um, but for whatever reason, my, my kid was quite taken by the, the A-frame house yeah. and so yeah it's pretty amazing shout out there and the other thing is that a lot of people kind of assume that like 1980 mount st helens blew up and that is that and we put a period on the end of the sentence but it still has had a number of earthquakes since then and it's had at least a couple of eruptions i yeah. found an article talking about that and it was kind of like um it was almost bragging in a way. It was like, oh, yeah, this most recent eruption. But it wasn't like the one in 1980. So <laughs> it was like, but yeah, it's still a volcano eruption, though, guys. You should still take it seriously. 
But they, you know, he talks about, yeah, the, the, the sudden reawakening of Mount St. Helens in September of 2004, which I feel I like. I think that was the article that I was looking at. It was many of us one. have a sudden reawakening and also are also cranky, but we don't actually kill 57 people. So maybe take it seriously just, you know, for fun. But that um, it, it closed to visitors for a while, you know, because for, for a long time, people were allowed back up the mountain and doing sure. the tourist thing like on the mountain itself as opposed to johnston ridge is where one of the volcanologists david johnson was last seen and, and okay. was a couple of miles away from the the peak itself and there's a photo of him sitting in a camp chair and um he was not supposed to be there he's supposed to be take uh spelled by another volcanologist on the 18th and the other volcanologist had to do something for school and was delayed coming back from Hawaii and missed his. That's like those time. stories of people that miss their flights on nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. Which are like a, a man. I, I wonder if there's any uh, sort of survivor's guilt on on this volcanologist who was supposed to be there, and either that or just like a oh shit, that could have been me. Thank God it was Johnston. Well, wicked. There was. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was his name? Um, Harry Garrett? Truman. Glicken, Glicken, Glicken. No, different Harry. Oh. Also also Harry, but Glicken, not Truman. Uh, this guy, Harry Glicken, was hired by Johnson in 1979. So, you know, roughly a year prior. And he uh, was was at a, he was, I guess he was at, Mount St. Helens, and then he had to meet a meet a professor on May 18th, and so he left and was supposed to come back. Okay. And Johnson didn't want to to return to the mountain because he was pretty sure it was going to blow up. Uh, turns out he was pretty right. He was and right. you know, <laughs> Glicken always felt terrible guilt about this. Yeah, sure. But continued doing volcanologist things, and then he died in a pyroclastic flow in Japan in 1981. So, Man, if you live by the volcano, you die by the volcano. Apparently, <laughs> apparently <laughs> so. And uh, so, yeah, they, they have, uh, you know, from 2004 to 2008, there were closures on and off because, again, there were, there were little baby eruptions, but, you know, enough to still... It's still a volcano. Yeah, right, right. And um, so they're waiting. They're waiting for another, another blow up to occur. And um, in the meantime, so now we've got to get somebody named like uh, we got to get like um, Richard M. Nixon needs to go live on the mountain or something <laughs> like that. Harry Q. Truman, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. And then a bunch of uh, there'll be a geologist up there, and one is supposed to go, but then he'll call in sick and be like, "I can't come. I just ate a bell beaver from Taco Bell, and it's, it's really, I've got my own eruption to worry about." And... Oh, no. That's in the southern hemisphere. But yeah, and he has to go. Yeah, he has to go to Argentina, and it's just a, it's just a huge mess. I won't be able to work this week. <laughs> but there'll be a bulge. There will definitely be a bulge. Yeah, yeah, but I, it'll be like one of those like Led Zeppelin bulges where you'd be like, I'm pretty sure the volcano is stuffing its pants. That, there's no way that's real. <laughs> it's just fun on a show. Quite likely. Well, I think it's a fun story of just human, I don't know, human stubbornness, uh, human inability to listen to maybe people who know a little bit more about something than they do. <laughs> um, it's one of those failures of, communication but but the the cool thing i think one of the things we do get out of it is that uh i'm not gonna get into the weeds on it but the 
the eruption of Mount St. Helens is going to really set the future of volcanology and really establish a lot of what is going to be today's knowledge about volcanic eruptions because it was the largest, you know, current um, volcano in the northern uh, North American North American continent. And on top of that, you know, they they actually had quite a bit of people time to study it. So yeah, right. it did give us a wealth of information about that kind of stuff. Um, which hopefully will protect people in the future, but you'll never be able to protect people from themselves. And that's just one of those things that yeah. is just an inevitability of humanity. If, if talking about history and teaching history has taught us anything is that there will always be those people who are going to ignore everything that an expert or a non-expert even says and just do what they want to do. And that's kind of part of the human experience, I guess. And they have a name for it. It's called disaster tourism. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard about that. Which is bad. an album. Disaster tourism. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the, the debut album by Pyroclastic Flow. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> the one. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it happened it happened blow up in, in 1980. At least they had, you know, some, for the time anyway, proper technology to study and monitor it. When if the last recorded explosion was in 1857, I mean, it's not like, right. it's not like your um, telegraph is really going to give you a whole lot of information about you know, volcanology and, and things like that. And kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, the stubbornness and what I always kind of frame these things. And this kind of informs everything that my view on, on all the stuff on, on politics, on um, just society in general and, and school and uh, surviving a volcano <laughs> is uh, sort of this individual responsibility thing. And, you know, I always sound like such an old codger like Harry Truman, but it is one of those things where, you know, you, you're going to have to make decisions for yourself at some point. You can't wait for people to tell you, you need to do this. You have to do this. You're going to have to make judgments for yourself and then live with those consequences. If you made a poor decision, you can't point the finger at other people and be like, oh, well, it's because you know, Harry Truman told me I didn't have to get off the mountain and that's why I stayed. And then my A-frame got blown away. It was like, well, you know, did you not think for yourself that the exploding mountain didn't serve, pose a threat to you? Because that's kind of on you, Biggin. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I deal with the kids all the time where it just, this actually just happened when it comes up on the, um, you know, these, uh, the semester breaks are a pretty big deal in terms of uh, building your grade towards your, your final grade. And, you know, if, if you go in to uh, half the semester and you only have, you know, five points of an average, you can't turn around and be like, oh, my teacher is bad or my classmates distract me. It was like, wait, you haven't done anything for 10 weeks and now you want to point the finger at somebody else. It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> right. You want, it's a fine line because people, people need strong leadership. They need people to we help them. As you know, as a teacher, you, you have to be kind of a firm. I'm a terrible leader, but you also know that. And you got to, you got to remind them every single day, like, look, you are never going to pass unless you do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> right. You need strong leadership, but you're absolutely right in that despite you, I mean, you might have the best leader in the history of the world, but it does come down to to leadership plus individual action. You're you know, going to you do what strong you're leaders do. and you need people to do uh, the, the smart thing and the right thing. And so hopefully, you know, you can, you can have a merger of that. And it sounds like at this, <laughs> in this story, we had neither. <laughs> we had neither. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Neither. I have one last uh, exciting thing to bring up and then I'm pretty much done is that uh, you should look for, if you haven't already come across this in your research, the stories of, the top secret removal of the Sasquatch bodies from the aftermath of the Mount St. Helens explosion. <laughs> All right. Are they there, there are, adapted it, it, there's, for that? There's almost a sort of like a subgenre almost, you could say, of, of like uh, 
Bigfoot um, like studies and like Bigfoot stories that are that are specifically set during the Mount St. Helens explosion and talking about the like removal teams where they, you know, a dude on the, on the lake shore or whatever saw these like hazmat guys coming in and they were taking these massive bodies on these uh, stretchers and they saw like a giant <laughs> hand fall off the stretcher and it was, you know, covered in hair and had just massive paws and stuff like that. Like, it's crazy. They talk about, you know, the, the death of the Sasquatch which is more or less mentioned in the San Juan article when it says all of the big animals like deer were killed. <laughs> they don't, they don't drop his name, but like, I get what they're talking about. <laughs> I love it. Very that's cool. So that's all I got for you guys. I, that's I all know. I got. Yeah. I think, I think, I think the, the bottom line is that people are stupid and volcanoes are dangerous. That's <laughs> That'll be the name of the follow-up album of Pyroclastic Flow. <laughs> and if well you guys who are listening haven't checked them out, you should definitely look up some of the video footage of it because it is unbelievable. Like, you know, we can talk about it all day, but it's one of those things that you, you, you really won't believe how impressive some of this stuff is until you see at least the footage that we do have of it. So definitely go check that out because it is super cool. It's the second most impressive footage of an explosion in the Pacific Northwest since the time they blew up that whale on the beach. Absolutely, love. That was uh, another exciting Oregon moment. (laughs) To which Harry Truman was also like, "Ah, "I think it shot its wad." (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Normally, when I am recording with anybody, I have a notebook in front of me where I jot down times where somebody's making noise in the background here or ideas for the title for the episode, things like that. This time, I was so in the moment that I wrote down Joe and Jess, cutting class, Mount St. Helens episode. And that's it. That's it. That's all I wrote down. <laughs> so I had a blast and I learned things. And the photo that I'm using 
for my half of this collaboration, uh, insanity, whatever you want to call it, is one that I took when I was at Mount St. Helens in August of 2019. You can't see anything because the weather was terrible that day, but you know, it it, it was there. Like, <laughs> honest. I took it myself at Mount St. Helens and you can't see a damn thing. It's fabulous. That's my life right there. <laughs> anyway, Jess and Joe, thank you guys so much for putting up with me and recording. I had such a great time. Thank you guys for listening. And I don't know what's coming next. This was weird for me the past couple of weeks. I had plans about which episode in which order. And now I don't know which one again, but we'll figure it out. I have a lot of backlog and I haven't been recording with new people much because I'm trying to catch up with myself and I really miss recording with people. So hang in there. I'll be back soon. And in the meantime, stay sane and wear a mask and wash your hands and I know the CDC says you don't have to, but wear the mask anyway, okay? Just once in a while for me? You matter. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.